Hello and welcome to Annersbrook Church. We hope that this message from our lead pastor, Graham Heslop, both empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annersbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Hey, so I shared a story last week. Uh, Jared asked me to share and he asked me to share another one. He just said, hey, can you share that? We we're just chatting, chatting about God and all those things. And I just shared this story and he just thought that would be really good to share it. So I, I don't really want to. But um, he, he's sort of making me. So an 84-year-old man who loved to fish went fishing. The older man was sitting quietly when he heard a voice. And he looked behind and he sees a frog. The frog in the water says to him, it's me. Can't believe it. He said, uh, the frog says, if you kiss me, I'll become a beautiful woman and be your wife. So the old man leans down and picks up the frog and puts it in his pocket. The frog says, what are you doing? The man says, at this stage of my life, I'd rather have a talking frog. (laughs) That's a sad story. That's a sad story. And that's why Jared wanted me to share it. Well, if you were here last week, we began a new series called Practicing the Way. And uh, it was, it's online, it's on our YouTube uh, channel. And if you are part of Anna's book, like this is your community of faith, I really want to encourage you to watch it. It's We're not able to recap it fully, but in this message, we talked about the deeper questions concerning us of what it actually means to be a Christian. We acknowledged that the word Christian wasn't even really the first word they used to describe it, but in Antioch, it was sort of used as a throwaway, cute, bit of a cheeky line, but originally it was called what? Following the way, or the way. It was called the way. And so we're encouraged to follow the way as we follow Jesus. And one of the things that we discussed, and you can watch it, is how on earth did we end up here at a practiceless Christianity? Because this, this thought of the way actually uh, kind of denotes something you would actually be participating in. And uh, we've, we've, we talked about that. I thought it was great talk. Uh, but most people know that there are things, right, with the Christian faith that I, I think if you ask someone and you did a quiz, what does it mean to be Christian? I think over time that it's, that it's come out to such a kind of a base level set of things that you'd maybe just hear, just believe. And it's important to believe. Jesus said, believe in me, believe also in the Father. And he said it in reverse as well, believe in the Father, believe also in me. Um, but it was actually really interesting. A lot of people uh, resonated with what we talked about last week because they want to be following the way, but it's trying to work out how to follow the way. And so as I was leaving, um, re- something really strange happened. I was, um, I was just walking out the foyer, about to leave, and I felt this um, word on my, sh- what is it, shoulder? Like a parrot. I don't know what I'm trying to describe. Heart. Oh, Jared's like, heart. Okay, thanks, Jared. Thank you so much. Glad you're here. So I felt it in my heart. Um, it was, and, and I don't know actually where I felt it, but... Oh, look, anyway, I'm really not doing this justice. Um, but I, yeah, this, I need a frog. But um, I was reminded in that moment of something that I think a lot of Christians, uh, those who have committed their life to Christ, actually do experience it, experience because I've experienced it. And this vivid word um, came to my mind. Because what I'd given, I'd given an analogy of a golfer. And I'm actually really, really bad at golf. Like, like would you say that's true, Jared? Because I've played around with you, eh? Yeah, you're nodding. Okay, that's cool. And also, I'm actually not good at sports in general. It's, it's not like I'm totally uncoordinated. 
but definitely partially. You know what I mean? Like there's a, there's a scale and I'm more on the definitely partially. Like I have other skills, eh, Beck? Well, like, no. And um, so I was talking about that and I was saying that if someone was to um, decide they wanted to be a golfer, Dallas Willard, Dallas Willard said, why is it that we in faith have subjected our desire to want to follow a way, a way called Jesus, but it isn't embodied or practised? How have we got to that point? Why is it that we've, we've ended up in this kind of thing? Like if you wanted to be, if I wanted to be really good at golf, Jared wouldn't just say to me, because he's quite good. He's not as good as James, but he's quite good. And <laughs> that wasn't a joke. That was a review of the game. Jared's actually very good. And if I said to Jared, like we do with Christianity, Jared, how do I get good at golf? And he would just go, oh, just get the stick and hit the ball. And you, and you would presume, you would presume actually that that's, oh, that's cool, I'll do that and that's what's going to happen. But it's not what happens, is it? A golfer who wanted to be so good, think about what Tiger did. He immersed his life. He immersed his day. He immersed everything. And some people would say to the detriment of probably some of the things in his life. But why is, us, why is it us who are on the greatest quest to become like Jesus? Why is it that we think in the same Christian message, get the stick, hit the ball, you'll be fine? Well, truly, people aren't fine. A lot of Christians are not fine. They do have a hope of heaven, but in the middle, there's a lot of questions. I, I shared this big idea last week. The big idea was this. There is nothing that you can do to make God love you more. Absolutely nothing. Christ has done it all. He loved you anyway, but Christ has done the work to reconcile you. But there's probably a whole heap you could do to become more like Jesus. And the tradition of the church has got to this point of separating what is done in Christ and what Christians are to do and really got it um, quite mixed upside down. It causes a lot of confusion. I read the scripture last week out of Matthew 28 that when the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go because Jesus had captured their attention. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some still doubted. I reckon there's a couple of people in the room at least who have a little bit of doubt. It's all good. You would be more than welcome here because you'd be welcome in this group. Yeah, that's it. It, it's, it's questions of faith. It's questions of, of how on earth does this work? But Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, I want you to start to go. It's, it's, there's an action. It's not, it's not a metaphor. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what? teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, to obey everything I've commanded. And, and we recognised last week that there are big chunks of the gospel of that message, which we don't quite know what he commanded us. We're not really sure anymore. The jury's out. What does it all mean? But then he gives this promise that if we were to do that, surely I will be with you always till the very end of the age. That his presence and the indwelling Christ would be with us so strongly, like not weirdly, I'm not talking about like you've got goosebumps in your constant life. It'd be, you wouldn't be able to function. You know, if you just kind of walked around with goosebumps. But this, this reality that God is amongst us, God is with us. Paul said the same thing in Philippians 4, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, 
admirable, pretty much everything that um, social media isn't. Whatever's praiseworthy or excellent, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me, put it into practice. Practice. There's a practice to being a Christian. And it's not just that there's a practice to being a Christian. The real bottom line issue is Jesus practiced things as he was restoring humanity. So it's not just like we've got to do this to be a good Christian. Jesus did it. There were things that Jesus practiced that were actually making humanity a possibility to be restored again. And so I walked out of this building last Sunday and I heard a word. And, and, and I'm just going to put the word up on the screen. Well, I'm not, but our amazing person is. And it just is a beautiful word, isn't it? It's one of your favourite words. For any parent here with young kids, it's pretty much the way to describe parenting, isn't it? Or if you've got staff and you're really just trying to work out how on earth to get them to behave or have a good attitude, that's, that's your job. Well, that's how it is on all golf courses for me. Sad to think, though, that that's what it is for a lot of people who have confessed that they want to follow Christ. Yeah. I, went, I walked out of this place last week and just felt like people were frustrated just in the same way as if we told the golfer, you're going to be great in a month. Like, in 30 days, you are just going to be, we're going to be calling you Tiger. What's another golfer's name? Eric. What? Pat Shone. That's right. Shoney. Well, what do you, what do you call the final showman? What are you called? The great showman. Something. And, 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 and if you told that golfer that, they would walk away, what? Frustrated in 30 days because we all know it's not been embodied enough. It's not been practised enough. It's not actually got into your DNA and fibre. And by the way, I cannot encourage you, those of you who really want to go deeper in this to read Dallas Willard's um, The Spirit of Disciplines book because he talks about why God has set us apart from plants Animals, humans. He says that humans that start acting like plants, which is what ends up happening, just objects, right? Really lose their purpose. But the next level of worse is when humans start acting as animals. And he makes the argument, because even plants and animals are better to each other than humans are. That God's put a divine order down into things, and your bodies, Romans 12, 2, we take our bodies and we present them before the Lord as worship. Worship, it's a bombshell, I know. But worship is not just the slow songs we sing on Sundays. Worship is presenting your body before the Lord and learning how to embody the way of Jesus. Embodying it. God made your bodies and soul and spirit and He wanted to actually involve the entire lot to his praise. So, why hasn't change gone deeper into the interior parts of our life? Are you frustrated? I want to say that in part, sometimes I get frustrated. And I wrote a little list, a list and, the, and the list is this. Why am I not naturally good at prayer? Because what you think is that when you give your life to the Lord and God really moves, you'll be really good at prayer. Can I just blow that one out of the water right now? You can be born again and you can even be filled with the Holy Spirit, which are things God wants to do. But that does not mean you are necessarily good at prayer. Right. No applause. I would be clapping. 
Because I'd be like the amount of times I've guilt myself over my prayer life. You have no idea what I had to go through to work out how to pray. You have no idea over the last 25 years what I, journey I have had to go on in my mind, even in my body. I've tried everything. Man, I think I've verged on chanting probably. I, like seriously, quiet prayers, loud prayers, medium prayers. And then I worked out the shock of it all. It's all included. Paul says to pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. Because why? We're learning how to pray. But just because you became a Christian doesn't mean you're good at prayer. And just because you became a Christian doesn't mean you know how to read the Word and the Word of God makes sense to you. Now, this is too basic, isn't it? Like, we, no, 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 we don't want to believe that for a second. But you believe that about everything else in life. Like when your kid gets a license, you don't just let them out on the loose. Why? They, they already think they're a better driver than you. And maybe one day they will be. But at this stage, all you see is the toddler they were in nappies. And you are fearing for your very life. And you are thinking, oh my Lord, that car's getting very close. And why are they turning up the music? And oh my gosh, can we just slow down for a minute? But then with faith, we just expect everyone to get it. Right. You weren't meant to get it. There might be some things you just get. Praise the Lord. But guys, we've got too many frustrated Christians because you've believed something about Christianity that not even Je- Jesus in Luke 2.52 grew in favour with God and man. He's on a growing process of getting better. And he was finally inaugurating, inaugurating his process at the age of 30. Uh, it's too basic, eh? Give us something else. Well, I could, but you'll be frustrated. So to every frustrated believer, let's look at some things that will actually help us. And this passage that we're about to read has all of these dynamics that I've just read. And it goes something like this. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. As I read this, I want you to make some pictures in your mind. I want you to imagine, consider. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit gets a congratulatory prize of being pruned as well. (laughs) That's how I read it. (laughs) So that in it will be even more fruitful. He says this, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. He says this, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And this is, the, this is the line that we get really easily. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing seems to be happening. Nothing seems to be healing. I don't seem to have peace where there's anxiety. I don't seem to have those specific things that God promised over those other things that I experience in life. But he goes, away to, goes on to say, if you do not remain in me, you become like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me, And my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples, followers of Christ. For as the Father has loved me, I really love you. 
Now remain in my love. When you read Jesus, he cuts to the chase really fast. And he says things that just resonate in our spirit. But I've noticed as well, he often leaves stuff out. How do you remain in him? How do you practice the way of Jesus? How do you become a disciple? I've spent, I don't think it would be an exaggeration. I've spent hours considering this passage. How do I remain? How can I remain? I'm going to try and remain. We get these ideas, don't we, that just being perfectly still and like making a noise that maybe that will do it. But, but you need to understand that Jesus was telling a story about an image and a thing. What was it? It was a vine. And in their culture, there were all these vine, vineyards, lots of it. It was a big part of their everyday life. Like he would talk, tell stories about farmers and sheep and so forth. So there was a, um, a Saint Benedict who lived from 480 to 550 AD. So this is like fourth or fifth century guy, right? And I've got a picture of him. Here he is, okay? So not funny. Take it off. That was just for anyone who was here last week, okay? It got confusing. And St. Benedict, he helped design what was called, really important, rule of life. In, in, in his um, following Jesus, uh, he, he created this because of some real frustrations and tensions. So it's not, it's not rules of life like Ten Commandments or a set of commandments. It's not that. The rule of life was a Latin phrase that modern scholars, more than ancient scholars, but modern scholars have learned how to translate into the word regular. We'll just bring it up. So rule meaning regular. And what is really crazy is that they have also paralleled this word to another Latin word, which is the word trellis. It's quite amazing. So he had rule of life. And in the Latin language, it means regular and also means trellis. And uh, he gave this idea because I think that it was a long time, even four or 500 years after the first disciples in the first early church. You know, when people say that, say, oh, you know, I don't need to worship together with other people regularly, they need to have a quick Bible study of Acts because in Acts, it's quite shocking. I don't, I don't want to overwhelm you, but I, it will. In Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit turned up and they were meeting together every day at around three o'clock-ish or from that time and going to temple courts to pray. We know this because of the cripple that John and Peter and James came across and they prayed for him and he was healed in the name of Jesus. But they would every day go to the temple and they would pray to God. And then every day, they would then, after they're back from that, disperse into houses and eat together every day. Like, I'm an introvert, man. I need some space. I don't know if they had personality tests back then, but you know, if you're an extrovert, X is great for you. Maybe an introvert, Lamentations. But it's quite, it's quite interesting. It's an interesting situation. And so they were fully immersed. Their lives were so fully immersed with one another that every day these believers, but four or 500 years on, St. Benedict is noticing things are drifting. I wonder if he could have seen our day. That some believers are frustrated about following Jesus. I've confessed Jesus as Lord. I've asked him into my heart and I go to church twice or three times a term. Now I'm not banging on about that for too long, but I make the point. He brought out rule of life for this reason. 
Because once you have the first witnesses of what Jesus did, culture and how they did it slipped so dramatically. And everyone's going like, oh, the gospel and oh, the Christian life and I don't know. So anyway, here's this rule of life. And I just want to show you um, regular trellis. Have a look at this picture. This picture is of a vine, okay, in a vineyard. And if you do a little bit of study, it's really fascinating. But these, these parts here are the um, actual vine, okay, and the branches are obviously the branches. They come off the vine, the main vine. But you'll see on this uh, particular vine, I, I hope you can see it online too, that they've got these metal frames, and they're using in this case as well wood. That's the trellis. Now, if you go to the next slide now, this is a drawing you can colour in. <laughs> no. Um, this is a frame, a wooden frame. <laughs> Sorry. Just trying to lighten the mood. Um, this wire is the modern, modern description, and that wire is not called the clothesline. That is called trellis. So St. Benedict is saying that we need a trellis to life. We need a regularness or a rhythm to life because as time goes on, culture and the world and our own frustrations and disappointments and even our disillusionments sneak in. And the point is, the point of the rule of life is to actually help the vine grow and strengthen. And the most important things were to keep it off the ground. If it sits on the ground, it will never reach its full potential, but it also is um, at risk of disease and of enemies. And if we were to consider this the trellis of your life, the rule of life, the support structure so that you can actually abide in and experience the life of Christ, I'd ask this, what is that for you? What is the rule of life? And I would also say this, that probably for you, your spirituality, what you understand about God is not the issue. The issue is that the vine continues groundward, being affected and potentially diseased or stunted. And all that we've been looking for to really understand a Christian life that will go on and be fruitful, what is some support structures? I'll tell one more scripture and then I'll give you some examples. Luke 14, when one of those at the table heard this, they said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus says this, a certain man was preparing a great banquet, invited many guests. So there's a party. And at the banquet, he sent a servant to tell those who had been invited, come, everything is now ready. But they all, all this group began to make excuses. The first said, I've bought a field, so I've got to go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke, in, yoke, in, yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. This is Jesus saying, this is, these are people. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come along. And the servant came back and reported to the master. The owner of the house got so angry and frustrated, he ordered a servant to go out to the highways and the byways, to the alleys and the towns, to bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And this is what I want to say to you, okay? This scripture is first of all about Israel and the rest of the world, that there was actually for Israel a group of people who made every excuse under the sun, but there's something else going on too. None of the people that we read had space in their life. No one had room. There was no supporting structure that they could ever entertain the idea 
of going to a banquet and being part of the feast of the Lamb, the feast of our God. So you get malnourished Christians. They still confess Jesus as Lord, but there's no structure, there's no strength to it. They're only just making it through. And I wanna say to you that really for us, we've gotta make sure we've got mechanism and support structure as we're gonna talk about practicing the way for a lot of weeks. This is a long series. And we're gonna next week start what the practices are. Today in the closing moments, I wanna give you a rule of life that you can potentially, if you want, use that I have been trying out for size. And as I have been trying this and practicing it, I have found a life in it that has been really incredible. So these are not um, St. Benedict's exact rule of lives, uh, the, the, the guide, I'll show you it. But this is something that we've uh, started to adapt and I've got it written down so you can take photos of the screen if you wish or write it in your own notes. But what we, what we wanna do is offer you something that you can do so that the fruit and the life of God can grow strong in your life because I don't think it's your faith that's the problem. I think it's the space. Okay, so number one, rule of life, okay? Number one, I'll start each day with quiet prayer, scripture reading before anything digital. So I'm gonna be able to frame for you what a day can look like so that you can abide and you can remain in Christ. Now I've been doing this for a really massive chunk of this year and sometimes I win, sometimes I lose and sometimes I win and lose, okay? Um, it's, an, it's, a, it's a practice, so you, you're not meant to be good at it straight away. And what I've done in my life is I've made a goal that I do not pick up my phone to check the news or social media until 10 a.m. So everything before 10 a.m., I start the day with God in mind. But I don't do it begrudgingly like this is a really awful time. You know, with quiet times, we used to tell people to do it and they'd be like, oh, don't like it very much. And it's like, no, no, do something in it that you do like a little bit much. I'll give you an example. Okay, Melissa, can you just bring this? I'm just gonna show you really quickly my Bible. This is my Bible. Okay, and this is my Bible. I just got a New Testament this year. I'd done Bible in a year for like two or three years in a row and I needed something fresh. So you've got to mix up how you participate and practice. Otherwise, it just gets really, really stale. And so... What I do, I don't know if you agree with it theologically, but I go into the living room and I put on the coffee machine, it's a kitchen, and I make Rebecca, Becky Kondo, a coffee, okay? And then I take her the coffee and it sparks joy. And then, I, and then she says, thank you very much. And then I make myself a coffee. And then I also don't want to be too detailed, but I put half a cup of rolled oats and a little bit of salt in the microwave and uh, good for deadlifting. And then... Um, PB this week too. Anyway, um, then I, <laughs> and then I um, cook it. <laughs> Sorry, everyone wants to know how much. Anyway, um, no one does it all. Everyone hates it when we talk about the gym, like get over it. Get some other life interest, please. I can't. And anyway, so I cook the rolled oats and then I throw like a cup of blueberries in. A little sprinkling, not too much brown sugar. Why is the clock stopped? Is it the Lord? Probably. So anyway, I'm eating. I eat it and I go down and I sit on the couch, but I do it with all my family there. I'm watching all the fights and the dysfunctions. They've got so many. And anyway, I'm just eating there by the couch. <laughs> and um, I just sit there and this is what I do. Uh-oh. And this is what I do. I just sit there with my coffee and my uh, porridge 
and I just read two pages of my Bible. And partway through, three verses in, someone might come in and go, morning, Dad. And I just look up and go, morning. I do not read the Word in a quiet, secluded, padded room. I don't. I bring it into our lounge. I bring it into our family. And it might take me 15 minutes, maybe, while eating. Rebecca wishes it would take five. You know, why not participate a bit more with family life? I'm a Christian love. No, no. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. But the, sorry. The flesh is really coming out now. Let's go back. But I, but I, I and then I finish, but then I go to work and I think, I'm going to keep my mind clear. I'm going to think about those two pages of what I read. And as I do until 10 o'clock, do you know what? I do think of them. Because stuff and Fox and CNN cover both left and right of the aisle. They're not getting my attention. They're not. My mind is clear. My mind is receptive. It's setting me up to remain in Christ. Number two, I create a gratitude and thanksgiving ritual. I know one person who writes down three things at the start of the day they're grateful to God for, and they put it on a post-it note and they put it in their pocket and they walk around with it all day. And at the end of the day, they finish by taking it out and reading them and realising it's always on them remaining grateful. Um, you're going to find that this is one of the expressed practices. But there's something beautiful about living a life, not focusing on what you don't have, but actually being grateful for what you do have. It's a, it's a life-giving... It, it's going to... You know, I said last week as we finished, these are not dopamine hits. Porridge and coffee in the Bible. We're not... You know, this is not rainbow's end. I mean, that's not really a dopamine hit. It's quite... It's actually a bit of a letdown, isn't it? But, but you know what I mean? Like it's... But it's not that. It's deeper more sustained sense of the life of God in you. I'm not looking for fireworks. I'm looking for a vine. Dang, this is good stuff. Two, with gratitude of thanksgiving, something that Roberta and I, this is my daughter, and our family have been doing, is at the end of the day, we do have dinner together around a table and we've always done it, our whole family life, okay? And at times it does look like nature land. All right? That was before they were taken over. It was terrible. And, 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 Around the table, we stop and I say to everybody, two things you're grateful for from today. And we go around the table. And they, really because that's the rule of life, we're going to talk about things that we love. And it's so life-giving to begin to frame your day with actually what you're thankful for. Three, exercise or go for a walk. Even if it's five minutes. I've talked a little bit about the theology of our bodies, but we do need to unpack it a bit more. But we know that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Um, not only is your, when your body alive and well, are you actually a more spiritual entity, but physical exercise actually has been proven to deal with levels of anxiety. And when it's facing towards God, results in peace. You're like, God, I want peace. God, I want peace. God, I want... But it's like there's nothing for God to move through. So we could exercise and go for a walk. Number four, and uh, can I have my telephone? iPhone? Yeah, cheers. Thanks, King. Um, and then lastly, okay, I will end the day by thanking God and listening to worship to calm my soul. Now, this is what I do sometimes. Um, not every night, but, but often. I jump into bed and I lie down and I put this on my chest 
Close my eyes. Some of you are cringing now. You're like, please don't tell us about your bedtime. And I just listen to the words. And the reason I do that, I don't even sing along to it. I just listen. Because I'm about to spend several hours unconscious. And I'd really like the Lord to be there with me. And when you do this sort of rule of life, like these were similar to St. Benedict's, but when you do this, do you know what happens? You find yourself starting to remain. You find yourself starting to abide. So here are three others that you can do weekly and not just daily, okay? This is for me really, really important. This is why I'm here. Number five, I will meet with other believers to encourage, talk about God and pray with. For Bick and I, that's our connect group, but I also have other people in my world that I do that with as well. That's gonna help me to remain. And six, I will meet with God's people publicly to worship Him together and hear His Word. We're not just here so people can only respond to Christ, that's part of it, but we are practising public worship of God and that's really, really powerful. And then finally, I will read, receive input to grow spiritually. So that's just seven things. Now, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to you when you do those kind of things in one second, but today we're launching a group read together and we're going to unpack a book that's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. In it, it practices and really opens up an idea that one of the most critical thieves of the life of God in you is hurriedness, busyness, not having space, not having a trellis. In this book, we're going to be selling it. I think we've got limited copies and they're out there at the uh, Ask Me Anything. We're waiting for some more stock to arrive, okay? So if you can't get one today, don't panic, Mr. Mannering. You'll be able to get one in, a, in, a, in the coming weeks. You can find it on um, eBooks as well. But we're gonna do a journey together that hopefully will result in you being way less frustrated and what? Way more fruitful. More love, more joy, more peace, more gentleness, more kindness, more self-control. Is there one I've left out? Doesn't matter. The book, I think, is a it's a price. It'll be out there. I don't want to misquote. But I just want to read you one more scripture because not only will it be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, and whatever I've left out. One last bit, and this is the bit that you do get frustrated at. But I'm telling you, God wants to raise us up as a people so prolifically, potently, right, effective that this is what Jesus said on the end of it. He said this on uh, John 15 and verse 7. So if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you're going to ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. We don't fluke it. We reach into the vine and the life of God flows. And there are miracles for you. And and there are people to raise up. And there are people to heal. And there are signs and a wonder. And Because why? 
you're connected to the one for whom that is who He is. In Jesus' name, less frustration, more fruitfulness. Can you receive it today? That's the Word in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to thank you very much. I'm here all week. I'm going to finish and I'm going to pray. And uh, I really want to pray that there would actually be a support structure that you would begin to really look at. And hey, it's okay if you can't get all seven of those or all four of those daily ones. That's okay. Just try a couple. And in and of themselves, they're not actually the practices. There's a couple of practices in there. But just saying a prayer in the morning, a couple of minutes, talk to God. Just a support structure. The fruit is gonna flow in your life. So Father, thank you today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I've just got a couple of things I wanna deal with. Just keep your eyes closed and heads bowed. Last um, Sunday, I accidentally forgot something. And so um, God wanted to set someone free who was struggling with addiction. And so I just want to pray for that person here. You came to my mind and I just left my mind. But Someone here, um, we're all addicted to something. God's love is addictive. God's grace is addictive. So you're in a company of addicted people. But when those things are um, life-sapping, when they they bring great destruction, the Father's heart is ignited to rescue His sons and daughters. And He looks past even that which you have done because He is more concerned about your condition than He is with what's happened. He is a great Father. And he's made a way through Jesus. And I'm, with eyes closed, heads bowed, I just want to know who that is. Um, if that's you, you want me to pray for you. I believe God's going to set you free today. I mean, seriously, it could be um, shopping, it could be social media. I actually don't want to start getting into the list because people tend to think, oh, I don't want to be identified with anything. And so I don't, I don't want you to be either, but I want you to be free. And so just eyes closed, heads bowed. I want you, if that's you, you just want me to pray for you. Just lift your hand. I just really feel like there's someone here and I really actually do. Amen. Amen. Yeah, cool. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Yep. Okay, you can put your hands down. It's great. I'll just, anyone else? There's about half a dozen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, and I just want you to lift your hands out in front of you. No one but me can see. Just lift them out in front of you and just receive today. In the name of Jesus, I pray freedom for you. Freedom from addiction. Freedom right now, you're free. You're totally free, free, free. I I just know that God was wanting to do a beautiful work. Just receive it. Just gonna wait another couple of moments and just let let the peace, let the power of God just come upon. Freedom, Lord, for your children. Free, free, just totally free. How good it is to walk out of this place today free. And you'll be able to put some support structures in place, but you know in your heart. I feel the Lord just saying, I forgive you. I love you, I understand why, but come to me, run to me, receive in me fresh grace, fresh life. I break every lie. There's a lie underneath that addiction. It will not satisfy you. You know it. But let the grace, let the power, let the life of God flow in you. And there's freedom today. There's freedom today. So come, sweet, dear Holy Spirit, just flood people's lives today. In Jesus' name. Just eyes closed, heads bowed. Father, thank you for people. Thank you for your life. 
come fill them. I pray that you would help them. I pray there'd be a miracle. I pray, Lord God, there'd be life, rivers of living water. I pray, Lord God, that this week there'd just be a difference, a change. And I pray for great, great fruit. Great, great fruit. Great fruit. In Jesus' name. Can everyone say amen? Amen. Amen. We trust you enjoyed this message. And if you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch. You can either visit our website or email us at info at annasbrook.co.nz.